How dare you drink what's on duty? Who is inside there? Sergeant Wilder! Sergeant Quiet! Any more behavior like this and I'll have your stripes! Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. The, you need to get through this one to really get, like, there's there's some Clouseau here, but there isn't nearly enough. And then after after this movie, it's just balls to the wall, Peter Sellers. Um, I'm I'm and, looking forward to that. Be we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- this definitely was a movie where, especially on the back end, I was like, this movie needs to hurry the fuck up. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what because he's not the main character. Yeah. And he's he wasn't supposed to be the main character, but. Um, I think uh, Blake Edwards, the director, and Peter Sellers, obviously, is Clouseau. And I think the audiences as well um, took a shine to that character, obviously. Um, And as a result, you're kind of off to the races. I think the second movie went into production, like, right after this. And it came out months after this. So, like, like, um, A Shot in the Dark came out super quick right in the heels of this one and it was a, a kind of smash it success so um but we'll get to it. we'll get to all that we're gonna get to it. uh a smash in the uh wait no shot, a in, shot the, in the dark is the second one i don't uh, why did i want to call it a smash in the dark that's clearly not right <laughs> well there's a lot of smashing in it so and it's a smashing film though is is there smashing in it uh yeah he, he breaks a lot of things <laughs> it's kind of amazing oh yeah i can't i can't i can't even remember if that's the one where herbert long comes into it and it might be the the one after that and um oh yeah when he comes in it's just oh man, we're gonna have so much fun we're gonna have so much fun um uh, chief inspector dreyfus yeah uh well speaking of having fun welcome everyone yes. <laughs> to uh a new season a new yeah. enterprise in the in the history of duncan and Bo come correct uh i of course am come correct with me as always is duncan yes <laughs> and uh i've look we were talking about this a little bit before the show i'm so excited to not be horizontal and yeah. sick i'm glad that we're recording again i know that we had to delay yet again but I, I was, you had Rona, like yeah. you had the Rona, so yeah. that's fine. It was it was like one of those things where, like, morning of, I was like, I think I, I think we I can do this, and then uh, like as I was getting up and moving around, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I can't, no. I can't be fun and silly and do dumb voices yeah. and yeah. act like I care <laughs> about the Pink Panther. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When when all I want to do is just like lay in bed and whimper softly, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, I like, but it's one of those things, right? You know, we're going through one of those waves where like everyone I know has had like, coronavirus. Yeah, like I have still somehow, unless I like I said before, unless I've had it and the symptoms were mild on me, like really mild yeah. on me, which is a possibility. I know some mm-hmm. people that that've had that. I am one of the few people, I think, I think I'm one of the few people in my family, in my circle of friends, uh, in my circle of podcast friends, who hasn't had it. Yeah. And this particular wave running right now seems to be picking off everyone else. <laughs> right. Like, like, everyone well, that has the stragglers, had yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's starting to work its way through them. So um, it's either yeah. inevitable I will get it or... Uh, like I see, maybe I've 
maybe I've already, but then my wife's the same. Like she's not had it more like, well, maybe both of us are just like super immune. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you're the ones that are going to end up in, uh, in the farm with mother Abigail. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, I well, I had had it either, and I was, you know, the work that I do takes me out in public to to some degree, and yeah. um, and in addition to that, I am also now dating someone with with kids who are of an yeah. age that are just, you know, they're petri dishes themselves. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, if I'm gonna get it, that you know, this it's prepped, but I would have expected that I would have gotten it before. But I never did, and I, I have the same fantasy of like maybe my constitution is just so good that well, coronavirus yeah. showed up and it was like fuck you and you know. Well, I, I was on a I was on a stag weekend, and I think everyone got it from that stag weekend except me. Yeah. I was at a gig, um, and I, I mean <clears throat> I, it was a very very busy gig, and I'm very surprised that everyone didn't have uh, COVID at the end of that. Um, I did something recently, and people that were at that had COVID. So, like, I, I'm at this point, I, I I think I might be a god, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I I thought that too, and uh, and still do to some degree, yeah. but just not about the coronavirus. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I got I got waylaid by the COVID, and mm-hmm. uh, it like it wasn't ever super severe. It was it was a thing like last as we're recording this like a week ago friday yeah um that night in particular or that day i was like i don't feel so good and then by that night i was like i really don't feel good i think i'm running a fever because i'm starting to get chills and i had to like uber eats or like get the delivery because i didn't have a thermometer i don't get sick Mm. enough that i didn't have a thermometer laying around Mm. and my my girlfriend was like you need to take your temperature because if you're you know if you're fever gets to a certain point you need to go to a hospital mm-hmm. uh and i was like yeah i don't i don't have one of those so i had to like uber uh somebody to bring me a ther- thermometer and uh and and sure enough i was running a fever it wasn't crazy i was you know 101 ish um uh, hot enough like i was running a hot enough fever that i, I did not feel good yeah. And, um, but I, I had it through the weekend and, you know, we were talking about this before the show. I still sound a little congested. I guess I still am a little bit, yeah. but I'm fine. You know, I feel good. Like, uh, that kangaroo I got out back, I started boxing that again for my daily workout. <laughs> Me and the Roo. <laughs> Do it a couple of rounds. But uh, but the end result of it was like, oh, we had to delay recording yet again, which was a real bummer. Um, because in addition to that, Duncan, I don't know if you were aware of this, but I'm also going to school. I did know this. Yeah, yeah. And so um, let me tell you about this astronomy class. That is a real pain <laughs> in my ass. Um, but uh, yeah, so like in addition to being sick, like that weekend also was a weekend where it was like, okay, I'm actually going to spend a few hours working on astronomy because I need, I like, I am not what you would call science inclined, Duncan. Yeah. My, my gifts lie in the, in the larger realm of bullshit and essays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an English major, you know? Uh so, so when people like want you to nail down an answer that's real and provable, that's where maybe my expertise uh, starts to wane. 
Um, but, uh, anyway, so I didn't get an opportunity to do that, but that's what I was doing before we recorded this morning. I was, I was watching astronomy videos, so, um, but I'm almost done. The summer classes have been rugged. Yes. I'm, but I'm, there's an end in sight. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm done in about two weeks with all of this. And then following that, um, my, the next semester, my fall semester, when I actually, graduate um it's it's two classes they're both on monday it's a full semester it's not like a compressed schedule it's like and they're both english classes so i'm back into the realm of like yeah just crazy (laughs) makeup ups yeah (laughs) back in the coast of it bull yeah right yeah they're not even grammar classes it's not even the (laughs) it's not even the hard part of english you know um yeah i i miss (laughs) <laughs> I, I, that's what I miss. Like, as I'm, like one of my classes though is a history class, which has a fair amount of just like, oh, I can, you know, write some di- discussion posts and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And killing it, Duncan, killing it. My guy, I got. I, it's just I, I've got the gift of bullshit, and <laughs> you know, I I wield it as much as I can. It's just again, astronomy is like my kryptonite where. I like, you know, I can't. What are you going to actually use it for, Bo? Let's be honest. You know, it's super interesting. Like, I find it fascinating. And that that's kind of the catch twenty two of it is that yeah. I really enjoy the material, but my professor is Russian, and I don't oh. trust her because she's Russian. Yeah, yeah. I never get that. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, so, but like the first couple of te- the first test in particular, I was like, man, I didn't do well on this test at all. And but then like the midterm grades come out and she's like, because of crazy Russian evaluation I use, you get A. And I'm like, great, that's fantastic. I don't know how you. All of a sudden, I'm back on board with Russia. (laughs) Praise be Putin. (laughs) Hail to glorious leader. (laughs) That is right. Putin is son. (laughs) <laughs> i was like this doesn't seem all right this <laughs> <laughs> notebook's been changed yeah um yeah <laughs> it's in the right textbook um <laughs> yeah it's here's another thing that changed did i already complain to you about this about the te- school textbooks you did yes yes you did that was, that was a big bug bearer um yeah they have to like things move on, Bo. I, you know, it does, but uh, like kids don't buy music now or movies. What? So, like, so what, why would they buy books? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, how you been doing though? I, I know you were you're you're working on lawn projects, but yeah, when it finishes, my my back garden is going to be fucking incredible. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It um, is. <laughs> Yeah, once I can, once I get there though. So next Thursday it should be this Thursday coming. Sorry, it should be all finished. But I am manually building a large steel monolithic black pergola, um, and that's that um, in itself. It's not been fun, and I, that's what I was doing just just before. I was like building the pergola, praying for an astronomy class uh, to swap <laughs> for. Uh, but yeah, it was. Um, I'm almost I'm almost there with it, but it's it's gonna look it's gonna look very argento when it's finished. I've got all these um I've got all these hue lights. It's a, a brand of lights that are controlled from your phone mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by an app, and they're all neon colors and all the rest. I've got them all set out the back, so it's it's gonna look something like right from a Baba movie um, when I finish. But I just have to get there 
first. So that's been, I think that has been me. And obviously summer series is kicked off for podcasts on the stairs. So there's a lot of stuff happening with that, which has been fun. Um, yeah, I, I meant to, uh, I will do this off the air, but remind me when, whenever we get close to doing that second episode. Yes, yes, I will do it. I don't think you're in the back half so yeah. for for episode number two so we're, yeah, yeah. we're fine for time <laughs> we're, we're fine for time there but oh yeah we'll get that all uh all sorted but i think i've got five episodes recorded at the 10 oh wow uh, that's great so like I'm, I'm i'm at a good place and it officially starts on monday like the first mm. group of episodes will go out then so um and thus far not that i want to brag i think 90 percent of my picks have went through so i am scoring relatively high this year um and the ones that I went through that I was kind of against couldn't give a fuck about it. anyway they're in years that I just don't care like my, my my movies that I want already went through uh on the original run so when it comes to a third pack I'm like yeah you, you know have whatever you want it ain't getting anywhere on the list I mean so yeah um, if, if I can make one small confession oh prior to this conversation I would have told you that a pergola was a flightless bird <laughs> <laughs> what well, read that essay uh, yeah oh i can give it to you are you kidding me i can give you a thousand words here's my three thousand words on pergola the flightless bird uh yeah. that's a penguin that's <laughs> a penguin let me all right so i don't i don't know if i told you the, this if i did i apologize like i got the covid scrambled brain where i don't remember what happened before um, <laughs> I don't, like I don't understand any anything of history prior to that. Speaking <laughs> of history, though, so I'm taking a history class. That's just it's yeah. like a survey of American history through up through like Civil War and Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a while, I was going to be a history minor, so this is really my wheelhouse. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. familiar with this material to a large degree. I, I'm really interested in it. I actually, the textbook I think is actually well written and really fascinating. I probably would have read it. Yeah, yeah. without having to take a class and so forth so when we first start the class or when i first started the class the professor is uh, a little bit slow in doling out the grades right okay so i was on a weekend trip with my girlfriend and i'm having to check in here and there like do some discussion posts and stuff like that for for the class and the whole time I'm like, why isn't she graded this? Like she's commenting mm-hmm. on other people's discussion posts and she's not commenting on my discussion post and my discussion post kicks ass. And so <laughs> it was a real like Lisa Simpson, like evaluate me kind of yeah. thing. And my, and it was really my, my girlfriend's first peek into the broken psychology that I have where I'm just like, I need someone to tell me that I'm doing a good job. Yeah, validation. Right. That's why we podcast more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. It's just, uh, yeah. I need, I need somebody to tell I me. Mean, we crave attention. I, yeah. I think that's what it is. So, yeah. I right. Somebody needs to tell me that I'm pretty and funny, and yeah. and my professor was not doing that. Um, but like I said, you know, recently we had the midterms and stuff, and or the midterm evaluations, and uh, and my professor uh was actually saying like. I wish you had majored in history. You have a great uh, analysis or a gift for mm. analysis and stuff like that. And I was like, why couldn't you have done this when I was on vacation? Like, where was all this? <laughs> Hi, now. <clears throat> Pardon me. And my girlfriend rightfully was like, she didn't comment because yours is fine. And the other people, yeah. you know, 
She's trying to like direct and, she, and yes, she was she was spending her attention helping those that needed it. Bro. Right, instead of just like <laughs> patting me on the head and telling me what a, a good pagala I've been. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. Um, you want to talk about some movies? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if we've we've had lots of free time uh, to do things. You know, that it, weirdly, that's the thing is I really haven't watched a ton of movies recently. Yeah. Although I think I got the COVID from going to see that uh, Love and Thunder, the the Thor movie. Oh, uh, right. I've still to see that uh, at this stage now. I probably won't even get to see it at the cinema. I will probably just wait off for uh, Disney Plus. It's fine. It's uh, if you enjoyed Ragnarok, you'll enjoy this. It, it's got some yeah. funny shit in it, and that's all I wanted out of. But that's not what I want to talk about. Um, yeah, go for it. Uh, okay, so uh, let me let me talk about my good question mark. I, it's a movie uh, that I just watched that I, I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated by, and I just want to talk to you about it because I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh right, go for it. All right, have you ever seen the Birth of a Nation, the 1915 yes. like three yeah. hour long? Uh, literally, like me and Baz are about to do it as uh, Baz's backdoor cinema. He picked it because he'd never seen it before, and he he wants to discuss it because of its impact um, on the rebirth of the clan in America. I.e., this is his look into real life horror uh, yeah. that he wants to cover. So yeah, like, I, 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 but weirdly, I had seen it before that. Okay. Um, I saw it for the first time. Part of it, like, I had to do it for my history class. It's part of a project I'm working on. Yeah, but I'd never seen it. Oh, right, right. Like, I knew of it, of course. Like, I'd seen clips from it and that kind of thing. But I never sat down to watch it uh, until yesterday. Like, yesterday was the first time I I spent three hours plus watching D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Um, And it's such a weird movie to discuss. Mm. Because it's like, it's that Tale of Two Cities thing. Of like, you know, the best of times, it was the worst at times. Because on yeah. on one level, The Birth of a Nation is the Rosetta Stone of cinematic vocabulary. Yeah. It, it's like the first movie that was like, oh, here's this larger narrative. And we're doing like, it's the tale of these two families across mm-hmm. the war and all that kind of stuff. And there's battle sequences that are like, this is really impressive. For the time in which it was made. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, impressive now, actually. <clears throat> Pardon me. And so there's that level where as I'm watching it, I'm kind of like jaw dropped at how effective it is as just mm-hmm. a, from a modern perspective, like this is a, a silent film that is over a, a century old. Yeah. And it's like, this totally works. Like this movie, as just as a movie... Mm-hmm. this all works like here's where you're setting up the characters here's and even some of the performances even though they're silent performances i think lillian gish is actually surprisingly subdued in that movie mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing so there is that yes then there is the flip side of the birth of a nation <laughs> where you're like what is this movie about yeah and on the one hand again this all seems like strangely contemporary because it is the story of two families who are sort of split by the civil war in America and Mm -hmm. what the aftermath of that looks like. 
The problem that you run into with The Birth of a Nation, Duncan, is that the supposition made by the film is that once Civil War has ended, that black people just run amok in the South and terrorize all the good Christian white folks. Yeah. Largely helped by people from the North, one of whom actually says... We will destroy the white empire and create a black empire <laughs> in its stead. And the hero of the movie is the guy who comes up with the Ku Klux Klan, which is presented yeah. as n- nothing but a positive force oh, in the yeah. film as no- they go to rescue all the white, especially women, yes, from the clutches of blacks and mulattoes particularly the villainous mulatto lieutenant governor who does everything short but of, you know, twirling his mustache. Oh, yeah. If, if he had a mustache. Um, and that is also, that is equally jaw-dropping as the technical achievement of the film because mm-hmm. you're like, I, I understand times were different in 1915, but were they that different? Maybe. But that's the, like I think if you chart it back, though, I think in terms of like segregation to like a point between between you know uh, those of an African American persuasion and those of a, like a kind of white fucking puritanical nonsense persuasion, mm. um, things weren't actually all that bad. You know they were pretty. You know there was still there was still t- to a degree in certain certain places in America like deep divisions, but you know things were actually starting to go on the upswing. And then that movie came out, and then guess what? Like everything regressed real fucking fast. Yeah, and it's just so. Is that you are right? I think it's as weirdly as a. It's an incredibly poignant movie, mostly because of the last what. 15 years mm-hmm. in America where things have so maybe even slightly longer than that since maybe about 99 um, where things have started to slide back down uh, a, you know, a very visible divide along party lines um, and even beyond those party lines where you just see like this kind of a very kind of fundamental Christian which like at this stage 2022 you would have thought a lot of that nonsense would just be fucking gone Um or that a very kind of evangelical swing towards absolute fucking nonsense. Yeah, um, and, 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 and it, very, very ethnocentric, very, oh yeah. very wide. It, it, like the whole replacement theory stuff and all that stuff is kind of baked into this sense of, you know, it's the story that white people of a certain political stripe, especially, have been yeah. told of like, hey, by the way, the America that you knew and loved is disappearing and you know and yeah. and the black people in the north are gonna make your but it's like yeah you know. i think it's, it's it's so it's so bizarre that like the, the america that you know and love is is disappearing is such a i i don't know i think like i've, I've always said to, to me the countries should march forward and always march forward and never stay complacent or like frozen and what like because that's when that's how you get a North Korea, right? Mm-hmm. Like when things all freeze in place, you know, one leader, one ruler, you know, that's when that's when shit gets scary. You've always got to, like, you've got to keep moving forward. People that ping 
for yesteryear are people that like genuinely only remember the good things that happen mm. at that time and never remember the bad things. Like, and there's plenty. Like I've, I've said, like I think as well when, well, you know, we never used to have, we never used to have this level of of unrest. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Like, see if you open a textbook, go back. Like the word there were obviously fuel prices and the crisis and all the rest that's happening just now is uh, is kind of swaying things up and. Like as a result of that, you see certain news publications like linking back to like the UK riots in the eighties and the seventies and like all these things, and you see on such a mass mass scale. And I look at that and I look at now and I'm like, things are fine just now. Like you know, like 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 there are tens of thousands of people on the street. You know, like 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 industry, everything's striking. Everything's like the country is ground to halt. And I look around them like. Uh, like people are still working like, like so as like regardless is every every i think every generation wants to make everything happen feel like the most important or the best or the worst or whatever to define that era that we that you live in um and interestingly linking back to the history thing is that's what makes history so fascinating mm-hmm. it's also the reason you can't just whitewash history out uh, that's the importance of it because when you go back it really does give you context to value where you are um and it's not just repeating the same mistakes, but it's to it's to sum up exactly. I think sometimes people look at like the worst aspects of history as well, which is like noble in itself. But you can only chart how far a society you have moved on, progressed, and bettered yourself by being able to compare where you came from. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of respects, that movie um, it, it does show you where you have travelled from, but the scary thing is it also shows that there there appears to be a swing back on that pendulum happening at the moment, which isn't isn't helping anyone, nor will it help anyone. Yeah. Um, and well, in, in the thing that's interesting about even the time that Birth of a Nation was made was there mm-hmm. was there was an attempt at the time that Griffith was influenced by to yeah. sort of recontextualize reconstruction after the Civil War and say, oh, it was like the South really was the victim of Northern opportunism and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that that's totally with without merit, but it's certainly not the rule, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like that, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that happened, but also it was the South kind of coming to terms with its legacy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And um, so there were... Like Griffith wasn't alone in what in in the kinds of things that Birth of a Nation espoused and presented. Mm-hmm. It's just that when you put it all together like that, and it you can't deny that like oh this was made by someone who has very racist ideology. Yeah, and like the the and you know but and also to your point of you know the like well we need to go back to the old days when it was better. And the yeah. question that they don't ask themselves is for who? Yeah, it was well, this is, better for you, but not women, not not black people. This is this is where this is not. like this is where we're stuck in the UK in the moment. Like we're obviously in the throes of Brexit um, because, and I, I, I don't want to generalize, but like on paper, statistically speaking, England wanted to leave the European Union. Um, the majority of Scots didn't. Mm-hmm. The majority of uh, people in Northern Ireland didn't. Um, and 
like where we are and it's mostly because of the narrative of you know like back to the old days where we controlled our borders and you know all the rest the result of this the result of this is that there is now a massive 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 shortfall on skilled labor in the uk and we're we're talking what we're like what two years into brexit yeah massive shortfall huge shortfall and Oh, well, I can't have all these waiting times at the at the hospital. You know, like like can't get a tradesperson to do a certain thing and all the rest. Like, oh, I wonder why that is. The reason it is is the freedom of movement that you had in the European Union, which allowed skilled workers from other countries to come to this country to work. They're all gone. Yeah. And guess what? People in England, once again, without generalising, a lot of them pretty fucking lazy. So. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll take you, a job. What you would yeah. call unskilled. Yeah, well, it's not even that unskilled. Like, just they, they receive a degree of benefits for not working and, as a result, don't see the need to work. Or, you know, that's not the job for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's that sort of level where all those jobs would be picked up by someone else who was eager to live in this country, work and pay taxes. Um, and that's where we are now. And... It just it's 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 absolutely fucking laughable um, that that's the the position it's in, and well, there's genuine surprise, Ge- like ge- like honestly genuine surprise, and all that was all that information was made available at the time. It's just wouldn't you like to be wouldn't you like it to be the way it used to be? Right, that wasn't the yep. stuff that was on the sides of buses. No, 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 wasn't wasn't. But he's gone now, so. Man, um, I you know we'll we'll jump to the next movie here in a second, but boy, Boris Johnson piecing out of his job was one of the most like graceless exits I've ever seen of a political figure. Did you he's his last prime minister's questions? His sign off was "Hasta la vista, baby." Yeah, I shit you not. Yeah. That's what he said. Um, is it easily, easily in recent memory, e- but, uh, recent memory, and I'm going back like 50 years, easily the worst prime minister that there's ever been in the UK. Uh, and the reason he got removed wasn't for the lying, wasn't for like the misinformation, wasn't for all the fucking corruption. And there's loads of that that will still come out. Wasn't for breaking COVID rules several times and being fined for it. Uh, the only sitting prime minister to be officially fined by the police. Mm-hmm. Um for breaking the law. Only one, only one. It wasn't all that. It was because he promoted willingly someone into his cabinet who was known as a, a like a sex offender is yeah. the easiest way to do it, like sexually assaulted uh, other men. And uh, he knew about it beforehand and did it. And when it got leaked at first that he knew about it, he denied about it, lied. And then all this information came out and said he, he wasn't lying, uh, and then tons of information came out saying he was fucking lying. It turns out that was more credible, and that's why he left. Not all the other stuff he's done. And I, I like his response when they were like, uh, "We have a, you know all this proof that you knew about this ahead of time." Oh, I yeah. forgot that I knew. I mean, he seems to forget a lot of yeah. things, which is what you want in the prime minister. <laughs> Just like someone that's really forgetful about really important things. Um, I, you know, but just a fucking dickhead, man. I hate him. <laughs> I absolutely fucking hate him. There, there's a little bit of hopefulness, though, because in addition to like 
at the same time that Boris Johnson is is exiting stage right. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, like we've had all these hearings here in the States about what happened on January 6th. And it's pretty, unless you're just close to the idea that, you know, Donald J. Trump could do any wrong. Yeah. Unless you are just living in that world where you're just not going to believe the testimony of people who were there at the time, um, then there's just no question like, Oh, he was, you know, if not legally at fault, at least morally at fault for what happened. Yeah. And, and it looks like it's probably gonna do him in, you know, like at least hopefully and like the thing is these, these guys seem to skirt by, uh, because people, people just don't, just don't put their faith in, facts anymore they yeah. they think that everything comes with an agenda and that's sad that, that is sad um but yeah i don't i don't know i don't know we're so we'll go through this is i think now uh, it was david cameron mm-hmm. and then Theresa may mm-hmm. and then boris johnson and now either liz truss who is a fucking moron mm-hmm. um can't stress that enough. If you ever get a chance, listeners out there, um, Google Liz Truss Sausages, um, <laughs> where she's at a conference and she's very excited to be talking about British sausages. And I'm like, yeah, she could be leading the country and you know, formulating war policy. Uh, her or a Rich, Richie Sunak, who was Boris Johnson's chancellor, who um, is, I think he is in the top 10 richest people in the UK. Uh, um, that's that's always who you want is somebody who's really got their finger on the pulse yeah who at the moment thinks that we haven't went far enough on taxing poor people so that's either n- neither one of them chosen by the british public to, to but that's what we do here and everything's blamed on the previous government because people have forgotten that the last 12 years have been tories yeah. in government like it's, it's just as mind-boggling as like I, I if i could and i know it upsets certain friends of mine's but if i could i would take a jackhammer out and saw my country right off the end of england um and it's getting worse like that's why i can't look at news like stories or anything anymore like i i genuinely have a a, you know a a liking for english people and then i see the worst of it on tv and then i just want away from it um uh yeah so (sighs) all right well uh, that was my (laughs) your good question yeah i mean I, just a movie that I, I felt like was worth having a conversation about because it's 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 fascinating. And I encourage people like yes, it is dreadfully racist. Like, yeah, it is. It is truly a historical artifact of of racist ideology of the time. Mm-hmm. But it's also if you're a movie fan, it's kind of required viewing just because it is so significant in the history of filmmaking. Um, but anyway, so that's my good slash terrible movie uh but what what about you where where do you want to start uh yeah so i've been doing a lot of documentary watching because i'm doing a lot of movie watching for summer series which i've been my palate cleansers documentaries there's a great one um i use the word great and i like it's absolutely repugnant um but there's a great one on the flds up on netflix at the moment a three-part um on what was his name uh jeff 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 jeff, jeff. johns no jeff. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the mormon folk 
the, the, the fuck. It was so great I've forgotten his name. Yeah. Um, um Wayne Wayne. Can't remember. Anyway, you'll find it while we're doing while yes, we're doing this. I, I'm uh, fact checking. Yeah, yeah. So um it's a it, it essentially charts the the what they would class as the last prophet and the the fundamental Jeff Warren. Warren Jeff Warren, Warren, Jeff, Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs, right. All right, sorry. I had I had the two things there. I just couldn't put them together. Um uh, also strange name. Uh but yeah, like so basically his um rise to power from his father essentially dying, and he was part of the fundamental Mormon movement which was all about, like, as many waves as possible. Like, all the waves. Um, but it, it charts his... And I I knew the name, and I knew there had been... I knew he was in prison. I didn't know why he was in prison. And this documentary opens your eyes in a way, which is absolutely fucking terrifying, which is all about pedophilia and uh, child abduction and grooming and yeah just like absolutely horrendous shit like absolutely horrendous shit but it's a really 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 well made documentary so it charts over three three episodes essentially his rise to power from his father dying um and then his kind of consolidation of power before his essential kind of last movement which is the creation of a a compound in Texas because that's where you go to build a compound mm. uh, which was called Zion um, and he would start moving people out there but he slowly started removing the parents so it was just kids that were there um, and yeah um, it's absolutely horrific I, but you get you get like lots of people who essentially left the, the, the church um, coming through interviews and talking through different points and you chart their experiences as well as subsequently their kind of fractured relationships with their families who some of them are still in the church and you know are forbidden to talk to those that have left the church and just a very 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 bizarre um situation that once again this is recent times he he was he was um he went down like a couple of years ago (laughs) as he finally when he finally got arrested because there was recorded evidence of him having sex with a 12-year-old and telling her it was holy. What, what was the... Netflix also was... I think it was Netflix that did that doc. Um, Jimmy... The the uh, British TV personality. Oh, Jimmy Savile. Jimmy oh. Savile. Yeah, I watched that not, not too terribly long ago. And it as, was... It's Hadwin. Yeah. The same kind of thing of just like, what you know like i was with worse with sable worse with sable because people knew yeah yeah or people people yes. were new and people were enabling not those that were part of a religious group yeah who thought this guy was the prophet i.e was the word of god and that's why they're you know they go along with that sort of thing these were people in the industry who knew about it um and i i remember i grew up watching Jim will fix it on the TV and Jimmy Jimmy Savile doing his various bits and bobs on there. And he'd already been, he was already like hugely established as a TV personality at that point. And he'd been doing it forever. 
his contact with the Royal Fat, like absolutely horrendous shit, yeah. like horrendous shit, and none of it came out until he died, which to me is the the fucking the coward's way out. Um, it's all oh, write a story now he's dead. No, get him now and you can do time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, fuck. yeah, right. It, 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 you know, let's and- destroy his legacy now that he's dead. No, 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 no. That does nothing to the victims. Yeah, yeah. So and, yeah, that's uh, I, I. That's a documentary I will probably end up watching anyway because there is something about uh, the rise. It's of excellent. A it's an, yeah, it's an excellent documentary um, and very much worth your time. And they don't leer over the the paedophilic stuff. But what they do go into detail is just how warped the sense of religion was at the time that it was just seen okay to marry 14-year-olds to 60-year-old men. Yeah. That, to me, is like, just like... Right. Can't, can't quite wrap my head around that at all. Um, and we'll have 20 wives... And um, like just that stuff. I, I mean, yeah. And the fact that it is illegal in America to be a polygamist, mm-hmm. but no one gets arrested for it. And I'm like, surely that's a, to me, that feels like an easy crime to prove. <laughs> Are you married to him? Yes. Are you yeah. also married to him? Yes. <laughs> well, I think we got you dead to rights. Book him, Dano. You know what I mean? It's like, like this literally feels like it'd be very, very easy to prove. And you want to know how you, you want to know how you kind of, I'm not saying like remove completely, but really stamp down on ideas that you can get away with things by making arrests, Bo. Yeah. See if you have a law that you don't prosecute on, what's the plot? Like, like there's no deterrent there at all for anyone not to do something. Um, and it turned out, I think uh, one, one of the things that come away was one of the, it was in Salt Lake City or something um, on the original run, one of the police officers who ultimately had been questioned a few times by the media um, like it turned out that he had like a child bride or something. And that's why he wasn't pursuing things. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, Jesus Christ! So yeah, uh, it was good though. It was really, really, really good. But so, I like I sometimes like to revel in watching things about the worst of humanity. Yeah. So it was really good. And so was that John John Wayne Gacy documentary? People haven't seen that. On oh Netflix. yeah, I did watch that. That is that's really yeah. creepy. Yeah, really creepy. The end, the last five minutes where they're talking to like surviving family members and flashing up the photos of the you forget how many people mm-hmm. he actually murdered. Like and the fact that they're still, even up until last year, they managed to identify one of the six remaining unidentified bodies in there. It just like whoa. I'm glad we're getting all this like harrowing stuff out before we talk about uh Nice old romantic romp. Yeah, Pink Panther a, a, a farce. Uh, all right, all right. So here's my bad slash good. Oh, for... you just like you're like blood in the lines here. I, I, you know, that's what I do. Duncan is <laughs> uh, love those lines. Yeah, non-binary movie watching. That is, <laughs> that's my thing. No, I, I finally caught up to a movie called Broadcast Signal Intrusion. Oh, I love this. All right, so I mostly did. Oh, okay, right. but I'll I'll tell you the problems I had with with it, which are kind of minor in the grand scheme of things, but it would yeah. have made the movie like one of my favorite movies. But so, broadcast signal intrusion uh, for listeners who don't know, it's about a guy whose wife has uh, uh, disappeared, yep. presumed dead, mm-hmm. um, is not handling it real well, 
Um, and he works as uh, basically the, uh, an archivist where it's transferring like old tape yeah. to, you know, DVDs essentially um for like uh, on television station like news reports and television shows and anything that was broadcast and as he's doing this he runs across what's called a broadcast signal intrusion which is where a pirate of some kind um you know basically pirates the signal and puts up a video and a lot of times it's real juvenile stuff of like you know we control the vertical and you know down with capitalism or whatever (laughs) And in this case, though, it's this like hella creepy image of uh, somebody in kind of a doll mask yeah, with this crazy audio laid over it. And it's just like disturbing and vague. And yeah. there's no, very Poughkeepsie tapes, very Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah. And um, so naturally you know, he starts to dig into it a little bit and this leads to this kind of uh, obsessive hunt for who did this. There were other of these Mm -hmm. intrusions, but uh, only two that were kind of proven, but there was a rumor third and, you know, and it's basically about this guy who just has lost his bearing in terms of, you know, the life that, he thought he was going to lead, and now he finds himself in a position where he's kind of hunting for meaning. Like, it, it like ultimately, it's it's sort of a story about somebody who thought he he had life figured out, and then realized, mm-hmm. oh, like chaos and randomness can happen to you, and then what do you do in the wake of that? Yeah, and um, and rather than like look to human beings and 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 support uh, to help him, like he goes to a support group, but he never says anything. And the one mm-hmm. person in that support group that is like, "Hey, how about you know we go for a drink sometime, and you know we'll watch a movie," and he's just like, "Oh, I can't do that. That sounds like human contact, and that's not my jam." <laughs> um. Uh, so, it, but it, this has a, a lot of things that I like in a movie. One is like a mysterious videotape, or in this yep. case, uh, like this signal intrusion and the hunt to find that. There, there's a lot of zodiac in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like all of that and this kind of hunt for a, a potential killer. And um, the thing that I don't like about the movie is I think it's a little long and I think it, I think there's just one too many instances of we found this thing that leads us to the next thing that leads us to the next thing. And I know that's kind of the point, but also after you go, you know, uh, slight spoilers, but this will be big enough that I'm not giving anything away. (laughs) But once you go from, Oh, uh, here's this, random telephone number to here's this storage facility to Mm. here's this other thing to here's this other thing that by the time you kind of get to the end and and start to get you know some answers essentially um i was like i would i wish we had gotten here 15 minutes sooner yeah Um, i can see that i can see that and i also think that the very end of the movie like the the last shots of the movie um i i was like i again i get it but also eh, i you know i i wish that you could you could have left this in a different place 
Yeah. And I think it would have been as effective, if not more so, to kind of hammer home the idea that this is a dude who who has gone too far that like he's he even even if he's gotten some kind of answer and and potentially done some heinous shit of his own, um, that there's no like there's no life beyond this for him. That this is yeah. you know, like and we kinda got that with the the dude who who um he runs into who's been on the hunt for this for a long time. And mm-hmm. um, I, I wish, I almost wish you had just paralleled that, of yeah. like shown him in that place later. Yeah, yeah. You know, where you're like, oh yeah, of course, you know, this led him down this deep dark hole. That all said, I was still really engaged by the movie and I really had a good time with it. I just like, I would make certain tweaks to it yeah, just yeah. to make it a, better movie but i was Mm -hmm. still like there's a scene where they talk to this guy who you know is paying the bill on uh this storage facility that kind of is part of their link of clues and i was like i i more of all of this this is that (laughs) this is that zodiac thing i love so much of like here's a guy that may be more of a threat and you don't really know. Yeah, you do, you don't like you you've like that that moment where you that kind of cold clarity washes over you like does anyone actually know I'm here and why am I here and I don't actually really know this guy all that well. Yeah. And also yeah. what is that sound that we're here like is somebody else yeah. here? You know, that yeah, was yeah. the point where I was like, "Oh, this is good." Where where yeah, yeah. like, is somebody else here with us right now? And yeah, like that stuff is really good, but it's it's totally worth it. If you haven't seen Broadcast Central Signal Intrusion, totally worth your time. Mm. Um, I, I wish it had been this much better uh, just so that I would love it instead of really like it. And that's yeah. kind of where I walked away from it. I was like, I really like that. I wish, I w-, you know, um, it kind of falls into that like cigarette burns territory for me as well of, yeah you know, we're on the hunt for, or even in the mouth of madness to some degree, even though it doesn't go quite. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a bit of, there's a bit of that. There's a bit of eight millimeter in there. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cage movie. There's a bit of even a, the one that I mentioned, I keep mentioning um, murder, death, creatum about that idea of just someone who like finds that he has just like lots of that and it starts hunting something which he starts to think is a lot grander than it necessarily might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and where that actually leads him. And the story itself is more about the, yeah, there is a mystery there, but it's equally about what the characters actually try to find within himself, if you know what I mean, or what he's missing, which is driving this forward. So yeah, I thought, I thought it was really good. Um, it did make me, because it came out the same year as uh, Censor as well. Yeah, and Censor's um, a superior much. Film. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's the thing. Like in a year where Censor hadn't come out and just like absolutely fucking hit a home run with it, I think like I would probably be a bit higher on broadcast signal intrusion. But very much like yourself, I found the ending. Like I've seen that ending done in several yeah, movies yeah. before. I think that's where I was kind of hoping because I'd seen I'm at least trying different things throughout the movie, or at least his own spin on it, that I thought by the time we got to the end, I would get something that was a bit more unexpected than it was. Um, which brings me to my my yes. bad. Um, this doesn't do me any joy saying this, uh, but I checked off season. Um, I have seen this as well. So yeah. Yes. 
the, the Mickey Keaton, who I, I like as a director, I really like him as a director. Um, he did that movie, was Darling, mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, which was kind of his take on Repulsion by uh, Polanski. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really, really good. I really liked that. He did a movie called Psychopaths a couple of years ago as well, which was really good. Uh, but he's done a couple of movies that I don't like. He did that pod movie, which I didn't like. And um, he did, uh, was it Carnage Park or something? Yeah, yeah. Which, which was okay. Um, but this has and, Jocelyn Donahue yes, from House of the it, Devil. Yes, it has her. It has Jeremy Gardner. Richard, it has Jeremy Gardner on a camera. It has Richard Brake, who mm-hmm. is playing Richard Brake. Um, <laughs> it has Larry Fesden, who no doubt dies, although he must die off screen because uh, I can't remember seeing him die. But you know, it has it has a rel- it has a relatively good cast. Um, it has a bit more money than what he's played with before. And the first half of the movie, notwithstanding a silly reason to get someone back on an island, um, the first half of the movie I was really into. It, it had a kind of almost a Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. sort of vibe with it this mystery of everyone's acting weird on the island i wonder why that is and i was i was totally into that and then the back half became the most predictable ponderous and i described it as lazy lovecraft mm-hmm. um because the ending in particular just felt just a little bit too much like oh of course the ancient ones oh all hail cthulhu um it just became a little bit kind of mm, and then the the very very end of the movie was what I kind of thought was going to happen five minutes into the movie, which like irritates me when I when I can be with a movie like right at the start and be like, oh well, this is the final shot. Um, and yeah, so I came I came away with it like heavily underwhelmed by the whole thing overall. Thought the performances were good. Thought the script was okay. Thought the first half of the movie really, really well put together. Last half of the movie was a paint by numbers horror movie that I've seen done so many times before. And I'm kind of over the, you know, you were always the caretaker sort of moment in a movie. Like, I'm over that now. I'm like, just do something else, um, please. Anything else. Like, even make it a dream. I can live with it being a dream. Please don't like, you know, like that. So that did not work for me at all which was a shame because there was a lot of elements i thought were were put together really well but i'll probably never watch it again so oh no 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 it th- that was a movie that i think like as soon as it was finished i felt like i had seen that movie not just once but a hundred times and which is weird because i in the past he's done things that feel familiar to other works but he's done a really interesting element or really went in hard on the character study Mm-hmm. which I think is the kind of fascinating bit. And we didn't get that at all in this movie, yeah. um, which made me wonder why, made me wonder why, because he wrote and directed it. So he can't hide behind the, well, it was someone else's script or someone else's story. This was his vision and it just was a bit meh. Yeah. I And I think maybe because not so long ago, I watched Dagon again. And it's there like, was huge elements of that in there, yeah. right? Except it doesn't have nearly the sloppy fun of Dagon. Yeah. Yes, and it, it's like this is a very somber, very self-serious movie that doesn't have any surprises, like you said. Yeah, and all the cameos are of like all mm-hmm. the kind of smaller roles, like Joe Swanberg's in it. Joe Swanberg from Your Next Plays are, are who. Is a great actor who fucks off ten minutes into the movie and doesn't come back. 
Yeah, Melora Walters plays the mother yes. from you yeah, know yeah. Magnolia and a million other things. And yeah. um yeah, it it it's really frustrating because there are lots of ingredients there for a really good creepy horror movie. Yeah. And it becomes a completely predictable ultimately kind of dull horror movie which is it, like that last half is just where all the action's kicking yeah. off and i could not care mm-hmm. could not care at all um so yeah. yeah and i also you know what i hate what do you i hate, do you hate like i absolutely hate movies that knowingly have a character break the the wall between the movie and the audience by kind of looking at the camera and smiling oh right which she does right at the end of the movie, and there's no other precedent in the entire movie for that. Um, so fuck that. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Like, like have something somewhere else in the movie where it's been done before, but that knowing wink at the audience is what? What's that supposed to indicate? That she's happy where she is? Or, or like, because I got that from the scene before, or, you know, like, she's there because she was always supposed to be there, and... It's like I don't, I don't, I don't get what that's supposed to be, other than a massive middle finger to me, <laughs> personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a bummer. Um, yeah. Well, shall we turn our attention, Duncan, to uh, the the project at hand? Yes. Which is, uh, of course, our the beginning of our journey into the world of the Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah, this is, like, I picked this, I mm-hmm. picked this, I can't remember exactly how it came up in conversation, but I, like, through conversation with you, we realized really quickly that you've not seen any of these all the way through, no. uh, and you may have seen clips, and clips just won't do, Bo. I, I feel like oh, I had no, seen mostly this. Oh, right, well, yeah, that's probably why you didn't go much further yeah. than this. This is not, like, the like we're going we're gonna to be specifically following the Pink Panther um, through all its iterations, uh, its many different versions of Inspector Clouseau. But to do that, you have to start back in 1963 with the Pink Panther, mm-hmm. um, which brings us the glorious combination of Blake Edwards as the director. Blake Edwards, who was famously married to Julie Andrews uh, from the Cinder Music for many, many, many years. Um, but yeah, so you've got Blake Edwards directing. Uh, he brings in one Peter Sellers, uh, as a small bit part character as this bumbling French detective called Inspector Clouseau. That turns out to be the big success of this movie, and then it spawns, like, see where you see how where we end up with this character from where we start. It is like, it's like, how the fuck did we get here, and why were we not here to begin with? So we have to get through this one to start really getting to the stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah, um, And it is... A big old 1960s farce. Yes. And so, yeah, 63 is when this premiered. Blake Edwards originally had Peter Ustinoff in the Peter Sellers role. Yeah. So Peter Ustinoff, for those that might not know out there, Peter Ustinoff about this era was known for playing Hercule Poirot, Mm -hmm. which makes a ton of sense as to why you would have him as Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> so he's like it would be inverting the 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 performance that he would ultimately become very 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 famous for as um because we're we're on our what we're on our tenth Poirot now mm-hmm. it's Kenneth Branagh currently playing him but Peter Ustinov very large rotund fellow um I actually think his wife might be in this movie 
Yeah, I think that was the thing was that he was going to be in the movie because his wife was in it, and then yeah. he ended up getting bounced out. Uh, I eh, I might be impugning him, but I think it was because he was drinking. Um, I, yeah, yeah, Peter, you should off like to drink. Uh, <laughs> A lot of actors at this time period like to drink. <laughs> so da, 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 uh, Ava Gardner was yeah. going to be in it she got bounced because of a little drinky boo um yep. and then <laughs> and then uh capuchin was hired uh and then peter Ustinov's wife was like no 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 th this is gonna suck if ava gardner's not in it so you need to yeah. get out and so peter Ustinov withdrew and that's the point where peter sellers stepped into the the role of uh clouseau and <laughs> and so all right um it's got an amazing cast the cast is ridiculous yeah right like across the board this is just all like this is like a like a a, a kind of crossover point of kind of like elite level Brit british acting and up-and-coming american and foreign actors all meeting together here you have like I, I, it's very difficult even though uh, David Niven is like, he's getting on by this movie. It's very difficult not to look at this guy and feel like, you know, I would shag him. You know what I mean? He's, he's that fucking charming. He, he's getting a little up there by the time yeah. this movie rolls around. He's still uh, got, a t there's a twinkle in his eye, but like yeah. when you see like Robert Wagner is so fucking young in this movie. That's the thing. Robert Wagner steps in. And it's just like, you're the handsome son of a bitch that ever was yeah um, it's it's so bizarre to see it's like that way when you watch um like if you've ever seen the it's the raven uh the uh corman mm -hmm. poe movie and you're like that that looks like a really 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 young jack nicholson wait one second that's a really 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 fucking young jack nicholson and the guy is like 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 not only is it like there's faultless face yeah, like yeah. not a mark not a blemish just a really 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 attractive looking guy <laughs> like just like um and kind of robert wagner's the same like you forget because you, you everyone kind of came to him maybe a little bit later on you forget that he'd been around for as long as he had and there was a time period where it was like oh yeah he's the eye candy of the movie he's the young uh, David Niven mm -hmm. in this movie. He's like the, he's the next generation coming up. Um, so he's great. He's perfectly cast in this one. Peter Sellers, who, uh, if you believe the, the 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 rumor and innuendo on this one, Peter Sellers was very body conscious mm -hmm. in real life. He'd always had a bit of weight about him, um, and went into a strict regime of basically trying to get himself in shape for the role as Clouseau because he wanted to be very slight kind of leading man mm -hmm. um esque but was still ultimately bummed out that he was cast amongst you know someone like a Robert Wagner who like you can work out all you want but you don't have cheekbones like that so like, yeah. <laughs> the and genetics it, just ain't there and, so. and also probably led to his heart attack well yes uh <laughs> Sellers had a heart attack right before this movie uh um, yeah oh yeah but Anyway, all right. So, the scale that I propose for this—this this is a, you've already you've already put this on Facebook, and I think I think this is kind of think it's kind of great. I don't I think unfortunately it's going to stifle this movie, but it's going to benefit like subsequent yeah. ones, like the one after this, a shot in the dark, 
if it does not score high on the bow scale, then I say the bow scale is warped and wrong. So I, I proposed laughs per hour. How many yes. times in in an hour of film am I laughing? Uh, and we'll 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 reach that at the end and discuss it. <laughs> um, but uh, that is the scale because again, yeah. these are supposed to be lighthearted romp comedies, and this yes. is you know as you say, I haven't seen the other ones, but this is unique in that this is like an ensemble cast movie and it's not just focused on Clouseau. The one cut. Yeah. 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 Clouseau is but like for all intents and purposes, when this movie was envisioned and made, Clouseau is a backseat character, not the main character. The main character of this movie is David Niven. He's the guy you're supposed to be following uh, in this one as the Pink Panther. Well, as in the you know the thief, the jewel thief. Um who's going to steal the pink panther and so all right so this thing kicks off with a scene that it takes place years before the later events of the movie yeah where there is a young princess dala is her name mm-hmm. who is being given a a diamond a jewel uh called the pink panther which mm-hmm. you know before i ever saw this movie which happened later any anyway um, I was like, oh, yeah, the Pink Panther is that cartoon. It's like, oh, no, no, no. The Pink Panther is just the name of this diamond. Yeah. And the cartoon spun off this. So yeah. they had animated credits for this movie because that's what they wanted. Um, yeah. They wanted that. Like, and, and that became so popular that the Pink Panther that you know with the theme song and all the rest comes from this. A lot of people think it went the other way around and the cartoon was first. No, 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 no. Uh, it comes from this. So, yeah. And and so the the titular Pink Panther is just a flaw in the diamond itself that kind That's of resembles right. a panther, and so the but it's this Maharaja uh, <laughs> giving his daughter this this gift and explaining here's what the Pink Panther is, yeah. And then we go to credits, which is the cartoon Panther, yeah. And also the real star of this movie, as far as I'm concerned, short of, of Peter Sellers. <laughs> Which is the amazing music? Yeah, um, ba-dum, ba-dum, it, yeah, ba-dum, it is so groovy that that bass of just ba-dum, boom, ba-dum, boom, yeah. yeah, it's so good. Uh, and and even when it's used in that movie, as soon as you get the that, you know, it you're like, oh well, this is now. I feel like I'm watching a movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's a great theme. It's a great theme. Yeah, and it was like the the opening cartoon bit and that music was maybe my greatest memory of this film. And so like later on when it, it gets into all the snow bunny shit, I was like, people are skiing in this movie. <laughs> but, but all right, so let me start off with, with a question yeah. in the opening scene. Cause there it starts off like David Niven uh, is is the you know would be star of this movie if Peter Sellers had not been in it. Yeah, he plays he plays a character called Sir Charles, and yeah. Sir Charles is the the famous phantom thief. Yeah, and uh, what he is, he's a cat burglar who is renowned on the world who leaves a calling card of his glove with his initials and um, wherever he goes and. Um, so that's that's he's he's a guy you're so I, I believe he's a guy you're supposed to be following, and I think the intention maybe on some level was a handing of the torch if they were going to continue this over to a kind of Robert Wagner 
right. sort of the younger Phantom uh, moving forward. But like I say, the the like you can see there's there's I I adore Peter Sellers absolutely, and, and there's just that you can just see just little things early in here where you're like that. Oh, this is there's something here. Like I can just imagine being very excited about that. But yeah, that's the so all right. That's the, the kind of idea yeah and, and and it opens on him swiping something and kind of coming out the window of this place and going down a yeah. rope my question is when his buddy lights the rope yeah to force him to go back inside was his buddy just screwing with him i have no idea i don't like i didn't understand <laughs> i was like what is happening here where david Novin is just like well i've done it i've i've stolen yet another jewel Oh yeah. damn it, Frank! You've yeah. <laughs> you've lit the rope on fire. Frank has ghosted me. Um, I, I, I don't know. This is because I, I, I slept with your wife, isn't it, Frank? <laughs> I get it. I get it. This is all on the up and up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it almost feels like he's he's done because once again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but like in the later movies, Cluso has a an Asian man servant who he pays to attack him periodically (laughs) with martial arts weapons Uh uh, when he's least expecting it. So he's always at the ready and it leads to a lot of hijinks. But there was a part of that that feels like this is the kind of genesis of the idea that this guy who's helping, so Charles, is like almost he said to him, he's like, you know, this stealing this jewel is going to be really easy. At some point, just throw me a curveball and this guy's taking it literal like, well, I will burn the rope while you're on it then. Yeah, I just Fucking... wish someone had explained why this guy is doing this. It doesn't explain it. And yeah. I would love to see that like future films will go back. No, they don't. Yeah, it's fine. But I I started this movie with a Confused. question mark over my head. <laughs> like I, I'm a Metal Gear Solid guard, you know, blink. Snake? Yeah. Snake! <laughs> Looking around, there's just a nondescript box that nobody could possibly be in. Um, so, all right. So we cut from that over to the handsomest man on earth, Robert Wagoner, who is graduating from college. He's like doing, he's at like a photographer's place. This guy's literally the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. He's like, he's he's like, (laughs) everything he's doing is a grift. Like everything he's doing is a grift. Right. And, and as he's getting this one presumes fake picture of his graduation put together, Mm Some guys show up looking for him, some thugs, and it's a real like, hey, where, where's Robert Wagner? We're here to, <laughs> we're here to t- break his kneecaps. And his his photographer pal that he is apparently paying to take this, um, you know, fraudulent fake, fraud, photograph because yeah, he clearly did not study for four years at university. No. He's just in at the end. So yeah, he ex- explains what he was up to, and it's a pretty good explanation. But, um. But yeah, so he's just like, hey, uh, you know, photographer guy, get tell these guys to beat it, will you? And <laughs> um, so he ends up kind of escaping from these thugs. So we, we have introduced our two m- main, uh, you know, protagonists. For the most part, yeah, yeah, of. yeah, 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 for the most part. And so we also get an introduction to... The wife of, we will learn, the wife of Inspector Clouseau, Simone, yeah. who Simone. is also dodging some some people after her, only in this case it's the cops, because she is having having this clandestine meeting in Paris. 
So we know as the audience that she is up to no good. Right from the off. Yeah. And and so we, after introducing all those characters, we finally come to who will be the, the most interesting character in the movie, which is <laughs> Inspector Clouseau, who is... Uh, One of my favorite introductions to that guy. <laughs> he spins the globe and then puts his head in English. So you know he's kind of bumbling from jump and he's like, we have to find the phantom. Yeah. And Once again, like focus on the accent because the accent in this movie is okay. And yeah, in subsequent movies, the, the mispronunciation of things is deliberate and meant for like for, for jokes. But in this one, he's still played, he's clumsy, but the character still played relatively straight. Yeah. And then and the, his wife comes in at this point. We're like, well, wait, I just saw you being yeah. followed by the police. You're up to no good. And we, as the audience, realize, like, oh, he is hunting her. Yeah. But we don't know. Or like, he doesn't know that, but we know that. So he is, you know, not only is he a bit bumbling, he's also a little dumb. He's not a great cop. Right. So then we catch up to Princess Dala, who we last saw as a child, mm-hmm. uh, getting the this diamond. And she is now played by Claudia Cardinale. Yeah. Um, who is absolutely stunning. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and she is now in exile because her father has died. There's been this military takeover of the country that she was in charge of, whatever it was like (laughs) the moon of Pandora or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. And so she's skiing around and then David Niven spots her because he is also at this resort and he's like, well, hello, Ness. And so he skis after her and, uh, there, there's, um, uh, who else is there? There's, um, Sir Charles is is there. There's Dalla. There is, and we'll get to the, everyone else who shows up. Yeah. She's got, she's got like a manservant, a guy called Salude, who's there as well, who basically is looking after her, um, and, and making sure she's okay. Um, and at this point, I think that's everyone's essentially all the characters you've been introduced to are all going to converge on this ski resort, yeah. which is basically where the movie takes place. Yeah. In Cortina d'Ampezzo is the name of the place. Yeah. And anyway, so once after kind of, you know, following Dala around when uh, Sir Charles goes back to his hotel room, we, he opens up a medicine cabinet and there's a note inside mm-hmm. that says kidnap tomorrow with an exclamation point. So you're like, aha, so some evil, evil shit is about to be afoot. And David David is like, yes, kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> <clears throat> So the <laughs> the kidnapping in question is that Dalla's manservant has her uh, little dog. Yes. And somebody comes along and just swipes this dog. Just yep. like, yoink! <laughs> and David Niven is there to be like, why, Princess Dalla, someone has stolen your dog. Yeah. And... I will chase him down on skis. Right. Allow me to help you, princess. 
And so he chases after the dog, but he ends up crashing into the sleigh. Yes. And 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 takes a, a bad spill. Mm-hmm. And so not only is the dog not rescued, but he has uh in theory injured himself. We'll find out that's Yeah, yeah, he has he's now got an injury, he has to big up um here. But this is all part like, all part of his now master plan to ingratiate himself yeah. into her good graces. Uh, but what, what it's probably worth saying, Sir Charles has the international reputation as what we would call it in Scotland, bit of a shagger. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. So like, um, which apparently everyone in this movie is totally fine with. Like every story yeah. is about how much pussy Sir Charles is getting. Like every single st- from everyone. What? Yeah, one of my favorite bits in the movie is where. You know, basically, he should. He has a conversation about like, "Hey, you're in your forties and you're doing nothing but laying pipe," yeah. instead of like settling down and having, you know, a wife and kids and all the stuff that a respectable person would do. And he's just like, "I have no problem with any of this. This, <laughs> this all sounds great." <laughs> I'm gonna go back to my room with the giant cabinet that I opened, just full of booze. Right, and one of shit, that's a mini bar I want, Bo. Let's see which woman shows up in my my room tonight for me to shag. <laughs> um, but, oh, oh and then, uh, so Cluzo and, and his wife Simone show up, and he yes. literally runs into the litter, the, uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, that Sir Charles is being carried on after his accident. Yeah. And in pretty short order, we realize, like, oh, Simone and Sir Charles are hooking up. They're in cahoots. They, not only are they in cahoots, they're in cabed. Yes, yeah. But and they get, like she's she's booked the room right next yeah. door to his with an adjoining door, which I've never understood that. I've, ne- I've never understood that thing. I t- I'm assuming it's for families when families stay abroad. But I, yeah. the idea of uh, the idea of an internal door, which allows me to go to someone else's room. I think it's creepy, but I, yeah, I, I understand like, okay. So like on those cruise cabins, yes, it makes sense because you are going to have like, you know, here's a room for the adults. Here's a room for the kids. hundred percent. You can kind of move back and forth freely, but, uh, a hotel, different animal. I think you just don't want yeah. that. I don't want I don't want somebody accidentally walking into, I mean, you keep it locked and everything, but yeah, you know, some, a good hard kick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like the movie Sneakers, where <laughs> there's the the uh, new electronic lock that's unbeatable, and there's yeah. that great gag where he's like, "All right, well, how do I get past it?" And you just see Robert uh, yeah. Redford going, "Uh huh, yeah. okay, yeah, uh, and then yeah, <laughs> okay, all right, and then yeah, okay, okay, got it." And then he just kicks the door open. It's such a great gag, but it's like that happened. That's a hotel room door waiting to happen. I don't want any part of this. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sir Charles gets an invitation from Princess Dalla to go to dinner, um, which he thinks is one on one bowl, right? And it, he also, as he's getting this invitation, like he gets up out of bed, and we realize, like, oh, you big faker, your leg is totally yeah. fine. 
this is just part of your insidious plot to be like, well, if she thinks that my leg is broken, perhaps she will think that other parts of me are in need of service. (laughs) It's like being blind. If one leg is broken, the penis is twice as good. That's why why Mozart was so good at composing. I don't know. That's probably not true. Um... <laughs> did I tell you I was taking a history class, Duncan? I d- you pretty, did, it's all, it's all coming up. So, <laughs> anyway, he goes to dinner, but like you said, as soon as he gets there, Princess Stella is like, well, you didn't think that I was going to let you be in my presence without at least 30 other chaperones, did you? Because yeah, I like, know what a shagger you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, call this, I call this dinner Operation Human Shield. Um, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, and so while this party is happening, Robert Wagner shows up at this resort as well. Yeah, Look- we find out that he, yeah, we find out at this point because Cluso is with his wife having drinks at the bar. We find out when he shows up that he is actually the nephew mm-hmm. of Sir Charles, which makes Simone choke in her drink, uh, and they go gonna poop, and then she runs off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because Robert Wagner is like, say, you're a pretty yeah. good looking woman. Have you considered getting naked with a young Robert Wagner before? Yeah. Yeah. And Peter Sellers is like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're right hello. This is my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a lot to do at the front end of this movie. No, no, no. Um, but, and, and Sir Charles ends up seeing Simone. like out the window like frantically waving at him and he's like hmm excuse me everyone i have to go potentially have sex with someone well this comes at a a very poignant moment because um there's all these stories being regaled about how much of a top shagger sir charles is uh and then the princess like he's, he's being very suave and she just she makes those comments specifically um tom which when he then has to make an excuse to leave, she thinks that she's upset his feelings. Yeah, yeah. She's not aware that he, no, he's actually going outside to try and find Simone, who apparently ran to the window, waved a couple of times, and then just went away. It just took off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because immediately we cut to from him leaving yeah. to the Clouseau hotel room. Yeah, where Clouseau is constantly trying to get laid, but he is never, he's fucking amazing. (laughs) He's DTF the entire movie. And and she is like, um, oh, before we do that, I need you to get some blankets. Oh, and also, can you turn out the lights? Also, I'm probably going to need a glass of milk. Yes. And so after his repeated attempts to climb into bed with her are rebuffed, for her laundry list of like, you know, yeah, he goes, he goes to get, it goes to get milk, which is the excuse that she has then to chap on Sir Charles's door. But he goes downstairs to get milk. Fucking amazing! It's the small things. I love really, really silly slapstick humor. He goes downstairs to the kitchen to steal milk, and he comes out and he's trying to make his way back up the stairs, and he thinks he hears a noise, so he leans forward with the glass, which just pours out half the milk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he's like, he looks at it, and he's like, oh, well, maybe I can clean it with my foot which just makes it worse and then he's like yeah right and he goes upstairs by the time he gets back into the room though it's a half full glass of milk 
He said, yeah, they don't really have much look at this yeah, hotel. It, it's, it's like, one, one of the better moments in this movie is is her saying, that's all That's all the milk. And he, and he yeah. goes, it's all that they had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is pretty good. And But, but in she the chaps meantime, on the door. Yeah she, yeah. yeah, she chaps on the door and like makes her way in and uh, starts being a little bit like in the bed, all kind of cuddling up to... Uh, Robert Wagner mm-hmm. climbs into bed thinking that it's Sir Charles and Robert Wagner yeah. is like say I didn't realize <laughs> I ordered a, a Simone Clouseau and she's like hey! and she, it, it takes off I gotta poop <laughs> right <laughs> and, and so Dala also heads up to the room yeah to basically apologize for you know, hey, I'm sorry if I was kind of terrible to you. Yeah. Um, and b- there's a whole scene with them where she ends up getting drunk. Yeah, she doesn't drink. This yeah. is the thing. She's she doesn't drink, and Sir Charles very very quickly manages to persuade her to drink champagne, which goes to her head really really quick. And I, I I to be honest, I really love this scene because uh, uh, Claudia Card Cardani um as a drunk in this is very very funny like when she's lying on top of the tiger skin mm-hmm. and she's like I've, you know, I've got friends you know and she's looking at the tiger and like, they, they, like all this stuff is really charming but then at the same time this is 1963 so the insinuation here is this old man is just plying her a drink and then probably going to take advantage of her absolutely yeah and she ends up passing out and I, and I agree like I, I think this scene is very charming yeah. between her and, and Niven and uh but it also points out like she's what 22 or something if and, not and, yeah and he is <laughs> mid 40s easily yes and um uh, but like like the, he doesn't take advantage of her when no, she no. passes out he he does the gentlemanly thing to do because once again we'll get this idea that maybe he does care for her a little bit yes. um uh, but he, he tries to bring her through the bed, but as in bring her through the bed, I love it. It's kind of classic comedy thing. He's trying to pull her through, but he can't get around. So Robert Wagner comes in to help, and he doesn't clock that. It's him. He's like, "Oh, thanks very much." Like this, yeah. and he's like, oh, "Like for what?" Yeah, um, yeah, and the, yeah, and and so Wagner ends up helping Dala into the bed. Yeah, while this is going on in the Clouseau bedroom. There is a uh, a comedy bit, Duncan. Yes, where after he returns with the milk and and does the you know it's all that they hid. Um, yeah. uh, she's like, oh my, you know, my head's still hurting, and he's like, I know what will make you better here, and, <laughs> and puts out a violin and plays he's it. Tr- he's trusty violin. <laughs> And he plays it in the same manner that, like, your third week violin student might. I mean, it's just. It's, it's, clear, it's clearly a nod. So is him a Mulgram in lots of. He's like a bit of Poirot. He's clearly a bit of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it sounds like a like a cat whose tail has been jammed in a tree. Um, the, the, it's just horrible. The best part is when she's like, no, stop. And he's like, what? It is not doing the trick? 
as if it has worked in the past. In the past. Yeah, gotten her in the mood. I did like, I like, yeah, it's like, like anything to stop him playing the violin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I'll have sex with you. Like, let's do it now. I'll put the violin down. Um, oh, man. And, and uh, eventually she just proposes that she's got to take some sleeping pills, and he probably should too. Yeah. And they're just going to pass out. So, um, then, so that's how all everybody ends up that night. The next day, Simone is like finally gets Niven alone. And yeah. it's like, Hey, I was climbing into bed with you last night. And there was a stranger there. And he's like, yes, that was my nephew. <laughs> and, uh, princess Dalla, uh, has run into Robert Wagner yeah, and he's giving her a bit about like you know I was thinking of going to college or maybe into the Peace Corps. <laughs> I don't know wherever I can do the most good. And uh, David Niven and Simone show up, and they're all kind of you know in the downstairs sort of lounge area. And um, Dalla says, "Oh, I'm leaving that afternoon." And, uh, but first I'm going to go take some skiing lessons. And Robert Wagner is like, skiing lessons, you say, I've always meant to try those. And so he's going to go on skiing lessons, uh, yeah. with Simone. Well, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he very quickly, Sir Charles manages to circumnavigate this by getting Simone to offer to take him yeah. skiing, to get him out of the way. So Sir Charles can once again do operation seduction of princess to get valuable jewels um and he also has to he also has to formulate a plan now to get the princess to stay at the resort yeah so because she's going to go she can't go yet which then like we don't see it but he obviously gets in touch with the the pup napper um Mm -hmm. and basically says you know we have to stage it in such a way where you know we can keep you here um thus finishing the i've rescued your dog but um which yeah. is what this whole hijinks bit sets out to we have um robert wagner kind of floundering about the place not knowing what he's doing but ultimately accidentally getting set off turns out he's a really good skier um or accidentally a really good skier because he goes away down the hill simone face plants um as a uh, sir charles is saying goodbye to um, the princess as she's getting ready to go, he sees well, the vehicle mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, of, with the guy who stole it. He's like, by Jove, there's the, the, the pup napper. I will get him by using this. Once again, he's got a car. I'm going to steal this horse sleigh thing. Yeah, absolute I, like Santa and his sleigh sleigh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I pursues him there, and he's almost, he's almost got the pup, but Robert Wagner, like, so, ah, comes down, floors him, flattens him into the snow, goes across, scares off the pup napper, gets the dog, thus making him the quasi-hero of this scenario, but also keeping the princess at the resort. Mm-hmm. So, failed, didn't work, but the ultimate goal succeeded. It's really cartoony. This whole yeah. this whole sequence yeah. is super cartoonish, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then we get the swinging sixties party happening at the lodge. 
where like like we just have a woman here who is singing and we all know the dance and we're all going to get involved with yeah. the dance we all know the words it, it, i mean it's one of the most like 60s moments of the movie oh everyone's like, eating fondue like yeah. everyone has a cheese fondue um, everyone's eating fondue <laughs> i mean there's macrame owls on the wall <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's like a sea like, of lava lamps as far as the eye can. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, like everybody starts dancing uh, yeah. along with them, and then with, after everybody's done dancing, including Clouseau, by the way, who is yeah, gets he gets involved. Yeah, uh, but there, there's a conversation uh, that Clouseau has with like his his police counterparts later, where he's, he's convinced the Phantom's going to show up. Right, that's why he's here. He lets like which explains why he is convinced from evidence he's found somewhere else that the Phantom is there already and is going to do something. Right, and not only is he convinced, you know, the Phantom is not only (laughs) at this lodge but maybe in this room. Yes, and uh, and this is also where Dallas as well. The, the current government that runs the country that I fled from d- has demanded this diamond back. Yeah. But I refuse to give it up because this was a gift from my father. This has nothing to do with the country. This was, you know, yeah. a, a gift from one wealthy person to another wealthy person mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and screw the country. <laughs> and so Simone and David Niven go dance while Princess Dalla and Robert Wagner also kind of dance together and um that just culminates in dollar taking off yeah and so uh david niven is like hello nephew how about you dance with the inspector's wife i have a princess to shag (laughs) and so he goes off to chase her and uh after that apparently that uh just leads him further down the road of being into simone because yeah. later he ends up placing a crank call to Clouseau's room, yeah, pretending to be this other cop to say like, "Hey, I, you know, I, I need you to come here for some handsome police business." Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's notably in the the adjacent town, yes. so he's going to have to leave the hotel and go and be gone for a while. Yeah, and that's you know this is his play. He thinks if I can get the hubby out the out the room here, I can make my moves with Simone, um, and she'll fall in love with me because look at me, young mm-hmm. Robert Wagner. Um, and of course, as soon as she comes in, Simone's like, "Listen, we can't do this," mostly because Simone is sleeping with Sir Charles, uh, yeah. and she doesn't want to sleep with his nephew. So, and she goes to Ch- Sir Charles to get a little yeah. action, and he's. He kind of puts her off, and and this is where she's like, "Oh, you're into Princess Dala. You're, yeah, you're, you're falling now falling for the her. yeah. You're falling in love with the princess. So everything's all over the place. But ultimately, uh, so Charles can't get back in his room when Robert Wagner shows up. So he decides to hide under the bed. Right. I think yeah, it's he first. goes under the bed, 
then Clouseau shows back up. This is the big set piece of this movie in right. terms of like all the parts coming together because this feels very much like a, and it's not, but it feels very much like a one big shot, one big continuous yeah. kind of set it's, piece thing. It's very bedroom farce kind of stuff. Yes, 100%. Which, which is, he shows back up and he's like, Zekar was a fic. And yeah. so Simone goes to the bathroom where she finds that Robert Wagner is hidden in the shower. Niven yeah. is under the bed. Yeah. Um, the, the flowers that Robert Wagner shows up uh, with have, which been- is just a vase he's picked from outside that he just leaves on the floor. Yeah. And so that ends up falling and shattering. So a maid yeah. shows up to clean that while Niv- David Niven goes from the bed to hide behind the curtains yeah, Robert Wagner makes his way out, but can't get out in time, so he goes under the bed. Yep. So Clouseau then is like, you know, how about a little music? And so, like, his wife is gonna take a bath. He's mm-hmm. gonna play some music to get her in the mood. And while all this is going down, he kind of spots these wet footprints that go from the bathroom yeah. to the bed <laughs> while he's checking that out. Niven slips out onto the balcony. Um, Simone calls Clouseau back into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Finally, like Robert Wagner gets out the front door. Niven goes out the window and uh, finally, like Simone has taken her bath Clouseau is now ready for some action. They jump into bed together, even though he has seen plenty of suspicious stuff, he's ignoring all of it and they're about to get down. And then right before they can, a a champagne bottle pops between them. Which was hidden in the bed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, though, in the other room, though, uh, Robert Wagner's went back in there and he has found his uncle's suitcase, which we can see David Niven seen through the the window of his nephew opening yeah. the suitcase and he finds all this gear and paraphernalia which prove that Sir Charles is none other than the Phantom, which causes him to fall off into a huge like snow mound and walk out in his pajamas, still looking suave and shaggable, uh, doing a bit of this. Yeah. And then back into the hotel. All- an end scene. Also, Wagner, in in before he finds the Phantom stuff, gets a call from yeah. Niven's partner. Yeah, he's like that. <laughs> he tells him that Princess Dalla has checked out. Yes. So, um, then, all right, so Inspector Clouseau then gets a call that the dude who stole the dog is actually employed by Sir Charles. And he's like, aha! Uh-huh. And he, <laughs> Sir Charles is the Phantom, no? So Clouseau goes to his door, Sir Charles's door, and David Niven is coming around the corner, spots him yeah. at the door, and is like, "Oh no, I've been, I've been found out." And so when he goes back to his room, he realizes that his coat is gone. Yeah, and it and this was stolen by Simone. Yeah, Simone to give to <laughs> Sir Charles. Yeah. who now escapes from the hotel disguised as Inspector Clouseau. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we shift the action to Rome, which is kind of the end of our movie. Yeah, yeah. 
And so Clouseau uh, ends up catching up with Princess Dalla in Rome, where he tells her, like, oh, the Phantom is so Charles. And mm-hmm. uh, that they're having a big party that night. Clouseau is going to stake out the party with his men because it is too big a target for the Phantom to pass up. So he is certainly yeah. going to to show up. Um, and then at the party that night, Clouseau dresses up as a knight. And in in one of like one of a handful of, of jokes in this movie that really made me laugh. There's a great moment where he's talking to kind of his second in command, mm-hmm. and a zebra strolls up to the table behind them and starts <laughs> drinking from this punch bowl. And he's like, well, "Wait a second, who are you?" And it turns out that they're, you know, uh, police that have combined to make a zebra and it's a dumb joke but it really works for me is yeah yeah it's like all right no more drinking for you you're on duty any more of this fooling around and i'll have your stripes yeah (laughs) it's a it's a real dumb (laughs) zebra joke but i don't care (laughs) but there's another joke earlier i didn't point out but it's when he realizes who Sir Charles is and he calls like the inspector into the room and he's got yeah. his gun pulled. Yes. <laughs> and he's waving it around as as he's talking to the this other inspector who is, keeps grabbing Clouseau's hand to move the gun away from yeah. his midsection. <laughs> and one, at one point when he's pushing the gun away, Clouseau goes, what are you doing? This thing is loaded. Are you trying to get shot? <laughs> and it's it's a good Clouseau joke. Um, so both of the, those are two solid jokes that made me laugh in this movie. Yeah. The I'll have your straps. And the thing that I really like about it is that Clouseau is kind of proud of that joke. Yeah. Because he mentions yeah. it to the other guy. Like I told him I'd take his straps. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's very funny. <laughs> So then uh, it, David Niven and Robert Wagner both show up at this uh, this party, both dressed as gorillas, by the way. Yeah. Identical gorilla outfits. And um, so they get inside, uh, despite the fact that it's guarded, but, you know, like David Niven's flunky distracts him long enough to sneak past and that kind of thing. And so at this party with our gorillas now there, the mm-hmm. lights go out and um they go for the safe and while uh people are trying to find lights and so forth Clouseau gets what he thinks is a candle but is in fact a roman candle yeah <laughs> which is the point where you're like is Clouseau just stupid yeah and because he like it's one like it, it's such a, a a discrepancy, I think, in the character because on the one hand, you've got him making this stripes joke, which is a really dumb joke, but it's also kind of clever. It's wordplay. Yes. And yeah, the yeah. next minute, he doesn't know that this Roman candle spewing gunpowder flame out is not a candle. Yes. And you're like, Ugh, all right, I guess. <laughs> but sure enough, this the Roman candle fires off and goes to the, it hits the box with the rest of the fireworks. And then all of a sudden fireworks are going off everywhere. Yeah. 
which creates a distraction long enough for Robert Wagner and David Niven to get to Princess Dalla's room where there is a safe mm-hmm. that has an opening on both sides and there's this whole mirror bit yeah where the two of them are opening the safe at the same time and then see each other but think it's themselves yeah kind of creeping around the safe and stuff it's again a very 1960s kind of gag that i yeah don't think totally works um but and then there's another thing that i don't like in movies which is a great big car chasing yeah <laughs> it's the 60s yeah and so in a very like mad 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 world kind of thing um everybody's got a car they're yep. they're doing a roundabout the one gag that i like about this is they keep passing this one italian dude as like yep. cars are going by with gorillas driving them and inspector Clouseau. a lot of the, a lot of what you're seeing in this these will be refined in later and Clouseau movies the, so like is this is weirdly like the first is almost as if they're trying a lot of things at the first run and the later iterations of the same jokes are much better and but the gag i like or the part of this gag i like is that the italian guy just goes and gets a chair and sits yeah. down to watch all of this chaos happen at which point you hear this screech of metal everybody crashes and then you know the camera pans over as you see all these cars smooshed together and people Mm -hmm. hanging out of the windows and all kinds of stuff and so uh sir charles and robert wagner end up being taken to jail and that's the point where robert wagner tells him like oh yeah i've been running a scam the entire time uncle (laughs) charles um you know like he, he basically says he got an apartment in hollywood and pretended to be a producer or whatever just to get laid a bunch and it's like, ah, all right, I guess that works. Um, <laughs> it's easy as that. Yeah. And so also, um, and, and nobody knows who actually took the diamond because Sir Charles, mm-hmm. by the time Sir Charles and Robert Wagner show up, the diamond's gone. They haven't actually stolen anything. <clears throat> so Simone then goes to Princess Dalla um to tell her like hey if you don't press charges like he can get off because he didn't actually steal anything mm-hmm. and you need to help defend him and that's where dalla basically says no 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 i'm the one who stole the diamond so i didn't have to turn this over to yep. this government that's been after it and also uh she's kind of into sir charles and has a plan to save him from prison and she says, we just have to convince them that somebody else stole this diamond. And so we go to the trial. Mm-hmm. Like the, It's weird because the middle of this movie, the whole second act takes place at this one resort. And it's basically yep. like two days yep. at this resort. And then we, the back end of this... We go to Rome, and then there's a trial and all this stuff. We like, need to. We got. We, <laughs> we need to get this out of here, boy. We yeah. need to get them out. <laughs> it happens so fast; like weeks are going by in the space of seconds in this movie. And yeah, um, and it's not a short movie. This no, is just like just just under two hours. And so, at the trial, the defense um, 
calls their their only witness, who is uh, a very surprised Inspector Clouseau, who asks him a lot of questions about like you know. So you were always at the place where the Phantom stole stuff, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, yes, I was hot on his trail," <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Were you, or could it be that you yourself are the Phantom?" He's like, "What? That's ridiculous." And so he Clouseau pulls out a handkerchief to like wipe his brow or whatever. Because he's never put his hands in his pockets since Sir Charles had this jacket, right? And which was like several countries ago, and apparently the passage of time. <laughs> so, right, and this heavy ass diamond that's been in his coat for months, yeah, uh, just falls out, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, you're the Phantom!" And so. Um, and so like, there's a big riot. Clouseau is, is, is taken to prison, um, where along the way, a bunch of women are like, you know, banging on the car and uh, throwing kisses at him and screaming and stuff. And we see that Simone, Sir Charles and Robert Wagner are all hanging out like in a car somewhere, watching all this go down. Mm-hmm. And Simone's like, oh, I feel bad that my husband is going to prison. <laughs> and and Sir Charles is like, nah, it's going to be fun. Listen, darling, as soon as I steal some more shit, they'll realize they don't have the real Phantom. Yeah. And uh, so, and he basically invites Robert Wagner, like, you know, the next big score is going to be in South America. Would you like to come along, handsome Robert Wagner? <laughs> sure, Uncle Charles. <laughs> don't know why he said handsome in there but i am handsome so yeah, it's accurate it's it's hard to argue um <laughs> so on the they're taking clouseau to prison and a couple of cops are in the back seat and they're like you know these women are just crazy about you but as we're on our way uh i just have to ask you how did you actually commit all of those crimes? Mm-hmm. And Clouseau, because he is now suddenly the object of lust. <laughs> He's not been able to get any in the entire movie. Right. <laughs> and still is not going to be able to, unless there's conjugal visits in his future. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, there's flawed logic here. But... Yeah. Uh, when they ask him how he got away with it, he, he kind of considers it and goes, well, you know, it wasn't easy. Yeah. And and so the movie ends. Boom. Uh, Boom. Yeah, like the Pink Panther, the animated Boom. Pink Panther pops up Boom. and is like, the end of the movie, everybody. And, <laughs> and that's it. That's the original 63 that's Pink the, Panther. Yeah, that's, that is it. That is, that is, that is, that is done. Um, I mean, the, the, pro, the, the problem with it is uh-huh. it's not a very focused movie. It has, it, it also has, it's very lopsided in its humor. Like Clouseau is the entire humor of this movie. It's, it's yeah. his his slapstick, his you know his shenanigans, and ultimately like his buffoonery that are all the humor or the farcical aspect of the movie. The rest is played surprisingly straight. Yeah, I mean it's got kind of this romance element between Sir Charles and Princess Dalla. Yeah, um, there's all the stuff that uh, with Robert Wagner that totally doesn't matter. It doesn't go the, anywhere. In the grand scheme of this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it 
like when Clouseau and Peter Sellers are on screen, it does feel like a totally different movie. Yeah. And obviously that is what Blake Edwards realized. And, and there's a rumor like later David Niven was, was asked about this movie and, you know, was pretty quick to say like, Oh, that was not my movie. That was, I was not the star of the Pink Panther. That he was, was supposed you know. to be. He yeah. was supposed to be, but I think they realized very quickly. Now he'll return. Uh, David Niven returns later on in the series, but ultimately, what you get very, very, very quickly is Blake Edwards. Apparently, once again, as the rumor goes, as the rumor machine goes, um, had set up like he did multiple, multiple takes and cameras in various different positions. And he basically told sellers to ad lib. Yeah. Just like, like very much like how Jim Carrey does his stuff. Just go like, like just keep riffing on things. And, and he found that like sellers like had an, like an unending supply of funny quirks, things he did, added bits. Um, so they knew they had something there. What is surprising to me is how very, very, very quickly the next movie just grims itself completely in comedy. It's like all the, uh, everything is like everything away. It is a slapstick comedy movie from now on. That's yeah. the series moving forward. And that the, is a joy to behold because it's, it knows what it is. This movie struggles because one, it's too long. Mm-hmm. Two, like you mentioned that the back third of this movie is essentially jet setting and condensed into like a very short window like it's like 20 minutes we have Rome the trial in the end and a huge bit in the middle which is well so is Sir Charles falling in love with the princess who's Simone and it's a lot of that stuff sets up some gags but not nearly enough um and yeah it's like it's one of those movies which weirdly like had there been no other movies after this that would make sense to me but right. the fact that they did make mo- more movies after this, but focus specifically in on the Clouseau character, that makes sense to me because that's the entertaining part of the movie. Um, that's the bit that you like. You find it's kinetic, it's fun, it's fast paced, and it's all Clouseau doing dumb shit. The transformation of the character into the next movie is just mind blowing, though, because it's like he, his pronunciation of English words like gets incredibly ropey so he mispronounces words um uh, you know i'm an officer of the loo mm-hmm. like the 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 loo the loo which in the uk is the toilet sure so it's all that play upon things where like you you have a minky on your shoulder it's like yeah. uh, what yeah, like- what a minky <laughs> all this stuff which is not in this movie like at all, the character completely transforms into the next movie, and that's the stuff that I know for a fact we're going to have a ball talking about because that's not laughs. A, that's not laughs an hour. It's laughs a minute ball. We we so. shall see. It is yeah. A shot in the dark is is the next thing on our plate. Yeah, uh, so funny. Which man, I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing. So all right, let's let's evaluate our laughs per hour. Um, yeah. This I did not find terribly funny. It's uh, not a particularly funny movie. No. There, there were there were probably four total times that I laughed out loud, and it's the stuff that I mentioned. Like the milk thing is really funny. The him waving the gun around is funny. The zebra thing is funny, and then 
something else I'm sure made me laugh. Um, but you know, basically two laughs an hour, which is not a great. Uh, well, no, no, yeah. no, no, not overall, not overall. And yeah. I will give you a little bit of trivia if you want, Please. Though, which yeah, will yeah. give you something to make you you smile. Um, Shot in the dark. Next movie we're going to discuss screenplay co-written by one William Peter Blatty. No kidding. Yeah, of Exorcist fame and Exorcist Three: The Heretic. Huh. Well, that uh, ain't no exorcism in it. There's no mother sucking cocks in hell or anything. Um, is 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 played right down the middle, but uh, yeah. I mean, I so. uh, the the uh, as uh, Beetlejuice himself once said, "The Exorcist keeps getting funnier every single time I watch it." <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to that. That that yeah. like I said, uh, I I can recognize in seller's performance yeah like there are moments where i'm like man if you just let him go this could be very funny but it's it, this this just isn't that movie but it's interesting to see where this starts and yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah you get you get all the all the characters that will be synonymous with the the series moving forward during the next one i just checked um so herbert Lom is a uh, um Charles Dreyfus, who is basically Clouseau's boss, mm-hmm. who totally realizes he's the worst he's the worst cop in the world, but no one else in the world, no one else can see how bad he is at his job. Um and so he's gonna be in it, and his manservant Cato, mm-hmm. who's played by uh, played by Bert uh Bert, I can never pronounce his surname, Quok, maybe who is absolutely fucking amazing. So those characters are in it as of the next movie. So we are in Bo, we are fucking in. You're gonna love it. You're gonna laugh lots. All right. Um, there's some questionable, slightly questionable humor in there as pertains to how certain characters speak about certain races, which hasn't aged very well. Uh, sure. You know, but again, this is 1964, and we talked about yeah. Birth of a Nation earlier. So, oh yeah, yeah. it's nowhere near as bad as that. It's not. It's not. It's nowhere near as bad. But yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to. It. Uh, I, I would probably, if we're doing last per hour, I'd probably agree with you. I think there's maybe about two, at the most three. Um, I do laugh hard at the really silly slapstick stuff. I think it's. But there's not enough of it in the movie overall. Like the the globe gag to me is just it gets me every time because everyone spins a globe, but like how many people would they lean on it? She's just it, his recovery is the thing that's funny about yeah. that. Is yes, the, the quick yes. pop up straight um, up. Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm excited to to get deeper into this, but uh, between now and then, Duncan, when we come yes. back in two weeks to talk about a shot in the dark. Yes, uh, a movie that Ooh, I have a hundred percent never seen. Oh, I can't wait, man! <laughs> um, so, uh, where can people find more out of you? And let me just say, Kreskin, like, I mm-hmm. bet it's at tputscast.com. It is, it is. That's where links to everything I do is podcast under stairs. About to by the time this episode drops, formally for the people out there, will have completed its first full week of summer series. Um, so you're getting four episodes a week for 10 weeks 
um, for summer series. It's going to be an insane amount of content, but it's all great. Bo is on that. Mm-hmm. So if you like it when Bo talks about stuff with me, uh, you'll be there. He's doing stuff. Um, so yeah, and then the Teapots Collective is the second feed, which is also available through teapotscast.com. Um, over there, you can get things up where to begin with, which is currently looking at neo-noir and film noir. Um, through my suggestions, the movie we're doing on the next episode is Memento. Uh, the film debut by one Christopher Nolan. Yeah, terrific. Uh, yeah, great yeah, example yeah. of neo noir. Um, we're also doing uh, a little bit of Chronicle over there, which will be coming back real soon with another guest to talk about a European horror movie. Um, Opera Omnia, I've put a pin on purely because summer series is kicking my ass for scheduling. And and we're in between seasons, so that's fine. And doing the nasty where me and Mark are continuing our look at the tier three video nasties list which is just a kick in the balls every time we record so there we <laughs> all right excellent uh and obviously um if you want more out of me then uh, you can go over to legionpodcasts.com where you can catch up on uh pick six movies where chad and i are currently doing a season called Crichton in the middle with you uh which is all about michael Crichton movies oh dear and uh have you done congo yet oh that was episode one was congo oh mr hamurka stop eating my sesame cake all right so here's the thing i did tim curry's amazing in the movie he's so good it it, have you seen the clip from the command and conquer game where oh yeah the uh, it's time to go to one place capitalism cannot find us space Space, yeah. yeah. So Tim Curry, yeah. I, I everything. I dropped that that into the show because I was <laughs> I was trying to describe it to Chad who had never seen it, and I was like, his delivery of the one word space is like six syllables. There's all oh, kinds of vowels in yeah. it that you would uh, not expect to find. Um, but yeah, so we're doing that. We just dropped the episode on Westworld. Um, ah, nice. The, the next one will be Timeline. Which is I don't a, know if I've seen that. Oh, don't. That's a, a <laughs> strangely directed by Richard Donner and boring as hell. So really, yeah. yeah. Did you know that Richard the, Donner's a fucking great director he as well? Is, but can you imagine Richard Donner directing a movie with Gerard Butler, Billy Connolly, and Paul Walker, and it is unwatchable? Billy Connolly's Billy Connolly is in it. How have I never heard of this movie? Dude, the only reason I watched it is because Billy Connolly was in it. And that was a mistake. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Timeline is uh, is coming up uh, on the next episode. And it's, yeah, it's a real stinker. Uh, but Richard Donner is a fascinating dude. And, like, I'm working right now, in fact, on the introductory piece about Richard Donner. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's, by all accounts, was a incredibly nice, talented guy. Um, so that's going on. Heart of Horror, uh, has been tougher to, to kind of get the regular episodes out, um, just because of sickness and school and all that kind of fun stuff. But there have still been something every week. Uh, most recently I would encourage you to listen to the, the Heart of Horror episode in which, uh, Kate and myself are joined by, uh, one of her friends now, hopefully one of mine, um, uh, a lady named Sabrina, and uh, our discussion of the crow, hmm. um, aka uh, our discussion of hot goths, <laughs> and 
that's all you need to know. It's it's filthy. And um, uh, of course, this show. I think that's it. Did we just do that succinctly? I think I we, think did. we oh. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will be back in two weeks to talk about a, a shot in the dark, which is not pornography, as I've recently discovered. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and until then, nothing left for me to do but to say to my good pal Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. My good pal Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. Oh, that is not right. <laughs> there is a minky on your shirt right now. <laughs> Can't wait, man. I cannot wait. Uh, there's always a minky on my shirt.